You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. And what a great time to honor moms. It's awesome. Super encouraged by that. And uh, what an awesome time to be together here uh, in person, outside, social distancing, wearing our masks, but also worshiping together. It's really fantastic. For those of you at home watching, uh, again, welcome. It's great to be here together. Uh, today we are going to begin uh, a new series uh, entitled Outcasts. And I really want to honor the moms among us, myself, certainly in my own life, uh, my wife Carrie, mom to uh, Kyle and Caitlin and Nathan. Uh, very, very grateful for how hardworking, faithful, and just an incredible, beautiful woman she's been uh, to me and the family. But also my mother-in-law, Lynn. It's great to see you here, Lynn, right here. And you are uh, the mom in my life. I'm so grateful to have uh, really lived with you for 15 years, uh, almost as long as your other kids now. So I'm definitely part of the family. Uh, I think it's actually almost 16 years now, so it's we're getting up there. Um as well, I want to welcome today uh, Tara and Stephen, um, my son Nathan's other mom, uh, and Stephen and Tara. I shared about them in one of my sermons some time ago. I'm so grateful for them, just a partner in raising Nathan, and so grateful to have them here. You know, really, God teaches us incredibly through moms. And uh, we're going to get to see today a little bit more about that. You know, the story of, uh, of moms can really in, impact us. I'm sure that your heart was warmed by hearing the little kids share about Mama Bell. Um, you know, and as Jen shared, Mother's Day is not always a joyous time for some of us. Uh, it's painful for some of us. We might not have had our mom. Our mom has passed. So there are painful memories. But God works through that. Uh, my mom, her name was Helga Holstein, German woman. And my dad met my mom in Germany in 1961 while my dad was stationed as an officer in the U.S. Air Force there. She had already had my older sister, who was a baby, and my dad uh, married my mom and adopted my older sister, and they moved to France, where he was stationed again there. In France, uh, they gave birth to, my mom gave birth to my oldest brother, his name was Charlie, who I actually never met because he died at birth, which was a sad uh, reality for my parents, but they had another child shortly after that. My older brother, uh, his name's Ishmael, he used to be named Tom, but he changed his name. And um, then I was born in Texas. My dad got restationed in Texas, and I was born in 1967. You can do the math. Of course, I don't look that old, but um, but my mom raised us, and uh, you know, sadly, there were a lot of challenges uh, with my own personal mom. I, I can share. Uh, and talking to Kenny about sharing, I'll, I'll share the story of my mother. There was a lot of tragedy there. But there's a lot of victory even in tragedy. So I decided to not share the whole story. I'll share more about that maybe in another sermon. But I did want to let you know that, you know, my mom, she passed away in 19, um, or in 2005, or 2009, I'm sorry, when she was 69 years old. She uh, died of lung cancer. Uh, it was a painful thing. But as I look back at my memories of my mom, I remember the good stuff. I remember how much she loved me. I remember how much she supported me. I, you know, a mom's love, you just can't, you can't substitute it. It's valuable. It's rich. Uh, it fills you with something strong. And although we have various stories that can be painful, God still works through them. And today we want to look at the moms of, the historical moms of Jesus a little bit. And we're going to look, as we study this idea of outcasts, 
we're going to look at Jesus' own mom and his relationship there and what we can learn. And so let's go ahead and turn in our Bibles to the book of Matthew, or guess what? You can just look on the screen. But if you want to turn there, you can as well, Matthew chapter 1. And my first point today is that God works through us. So let's be hopeful. God works through us. In spite of our sin, in spite of our weaknesses, in spite of the craziness in our life, in spite of our history, in spite of our background, he works through us. I want to begin reading in Matthew 1, the genealogy of Jesus. As, as the gospel writer introduces us to Jesus, he gives this genealogy and he says, This is the list of ancestors of Jesus Christ, descendants of David, David and Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah and Tamar were the father and mother of Perez and Zerah. And then if we skip on down, in verse 5, it says, Salmon and Rahab were the father and mother of Boaz. Boaz and Ruth were the father and mother of Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse, the father of King David. David and Uriah's wife Bathsheba were the father and mother of Solomon. And they're going to go on, the genealogy, we're going to get to that, of Jesus. But what I want us to take note here is he lists... In this genealogy, he lists four women. And normally in that culture, in that time, they wouldn't have listed the women in the genealogy. But the gospel writer Matthew has shown us how important women are in the history of the spiritual development of mankind. And we read about these four women. And what's really unique is that Tamar and Rahab, uh, they have a, a difficult, if you study the, the book of Genesis and you learn about them, Rahab was a prostitute. Tamar was the daughter-in-law of Judah who ended up, in, because she was not treated faithfully by, uh, by her father-in-law, she ended up doing, having some sexual indiscretion that enabled her to have children. And so the story of her background is not one you would normally brag about. And yet she's put in the genealogy because God works through people. Ruth, she wasn't an Israelite. She was an outsider, an outcast, not a part of the family of God's chosen people. Of course, Bathsheba, you know, terrible challenge in her life. Her, father, her husband was murdered by our King David. And yet she became the father of Solomon, one of the kings of Israel. And she as well is a great, great, great grandmother of Jesus. And so we learn that God wants to bring his message of truth and love even through people such as ourselves, such as these women who have difficulty, who have sin, who have challenges in their lives. And I think for each of us to sit back and go, you know, sometimes we oftentimes can think that our mistakes define our life. But I'm here to tell you that God does not see our mistakes as our defining quality. He works through us. We have to consider the big picture. He doesn't define us by our weaknesses. You know, all the moms in this story, they had to endure pain and exclusion and doubt and humiliation. They each had sin. And as you go on in the genealogy, you find that 
even Mary, the Virgin Mary, Jesus born of a virgin, as you study the gospel account, you find she had some sin also. But God works through us even when we don't think he's going to. And so often we think there's no hope that he's not going to work through our life, that, that it's just too late, we've messed up. And it's just not the case. God will work through us. Your job is to remain hopeful. Let's look a little further in the genealogy in verse 16, in Matthew 1 verse 16. It says, Jacob was the father of Joseph, who was the husband of Mary. Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called Christ. Then as you go down, it tells us a little bit about their background. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And on down it says, Joseph, son of David, an angel had appeared to him and said this, Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So Mary is the actual physical mother of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And yet her story also speaks to each of us that might feel like we're an outsider. Or that we've been an outcast. Or that we might not fit in. Think about in that culture, you know, there were three different uh, levels of the marriage plan in the Jewish history. There are three different layers that would occur. There was the engagement, the betrothal, and then the actual marriage. And the, the initial engagement of a married couple would be the uh, husbands or the fathers and mothers of both uh, would uh, both families would negotiate and they would talk about this would be a good plan and they would get sign a contract and get engaged and then they would eventually get betrothed which was a time uh, which you couldn't break without a divorce but they still hadn't consummated the marriage and that'd be like a, a year of time that they would be uh, together in that kind of setting and it was likely in that setting it seems from the text that that's the time that Mary got pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And we read in the text that Joseph found out about it. Uh, maybe she began to, to show a little bit. Uh, they figured out how to know if people were pregnant back then the way we do today, right? They knew. And likely it wasn't only Joseph who knew. You guys get where I'm going? Likely the other people in the community kind of had an inkling about it. And he was just going to divorce her quietly because he didn't want to uh, subject her to shame. But then the angel appears to them and says, no, take her home. This is from God. And he trusted God. But, you know, you, you look at the history. Even Mary, the mother of the Son of God, probably had to wrestle quite heavily with this feeling of being an outcast, of, of not being included, of, not, of things not working the way you thought they would work. And yet God worked powerfully through her. Amen? You know, a mother will always accept her children, almost always accept their children. And I believe God instituted that kind of love, created that kind of love, and emanates that kind of love. The mother's love comes from God. And as a mom believes in his or her kids, so God believes in every one of us, no matter where we've been through, what we've done. God works through us. Our job is to be hopeful. 
God brought us the Savior through people that were outcasts. So I'm challenging us today. We got to be hopeful. We got to have hopeful attitudes. Even when we feel like life is messed up. You know, a lot of you got here and it looks awesome. The service looks awesome at home. You're watching the live stream. But you would not believe how much work it takes to get all these easy up set up, the sound system set up. You know, the, uh, there was so much going on to pull off a service. And we're like, what? It's like by the skin of our teeth, everything comes together. And in our walk with God, sometimes you think, how am I making it through the day? Had a dinner with uh, the Shumps and Meckhamsons on Friday night. And, um, you know, it was challenging because uh, we were all talking about how difficult life is serving God and helping hundreds of people and meeting needs and dealing with our own challenges and our own problems and our all the things that come. Can you relate a little bit to that? Sometimes life is stressful. It's difficult. And most of the time... We don't feel like we're doing that good a job. And I know this is true of moms. I know this is true of moms. They always feel like they're not quite doing enough or they could do more. And yet they are the masters of multitasking. I give it up to all moms at your multitasking ability. We at times feel guilty. We feel like we're just not meeting the the standard that we've set in our own mind. I know moms feel that, but it's not only moms. We all can feel that. Certainly in the genealogies, you see this history. You can only imagine the doubts that a lot of the the, these these history. It wasn't only the moms, by the way, that had a sordid past, right? David was in that story and he had a, a sordid past. And yet God worked through all of them to bring us the son of God. He's going to work through you. Your job is to be hopeful and positive. You know, as we talked on Friday night, you know, about the challenges we're feeling and our own schedules, uh, it just occurred. We, you know, we, we really need to look at all the good, too. We need to see the miracles God's doing. I'm so grateful to be a part of our 40 days of prayer plan, right? We're, we're called to start looking for the miracles. Amen. And there are miracles going on all around us. And I began to think about the last couple of years, even during COVID, there's been incredible things here on the West side, looking at our campus ministry, knowing we've got campus students watching from all over the country, right? That we, we've got part people from our, in our campus ministry from all over the country, such an inspiration, Seeing our singles ministry, uh, just the types of people, the quality of people, the growth of people, the inspiration of people. You know, understanding God has done so many victorious things, starting different ministries, right? We started our, our uh, Screenland ministry uh, a year and a half ago to reach out to this community. And, and God's helped us produce these incredible videos. I mean, uh, I'm so proud of what they've done. I mean, on Easter, we watched their video called Clemency. If you haven't had a chance to go watch that again, you should. I mean, it was, it was created and produced by our disciples with an intention to inspire people through the arts. There's so many things behind the scenes going on. Don't you love seeing Josh and, you know, Josh and Carrie are professional musicians, as well as all the other musicians, Dave DeLuca up here, and, 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 you know, you see Albert playing, and you see Maria up here, and, you know, guys, our music is awesome. They're giving their energy, their time, their talent. 
this is this is hey that's a miracle because I'll tell you it's a miracle. I a lot of you that are running the music. I remember one midweek I had to get Mark Shaw up to lead songs. I gave him a full five minutes notice, and he came through. Thanks, Mark. But to have God's working through us, even though we don't feel like we're doing enough at times. And if you feel that way, this message is for you. God's going to work through you. Your job is to be hopeful. Be hopeful. Hold on to your hope, singles. Don't give up the promises of God. You know, I was reading on my Facebook recently about a sister named Halima Todd. She was in my campus ministry years ago, back in like 1999 when I was a campus minister. And she had left the church for a while. She's in her 40s now. You know what? She just got engaged to a brother in our church in Nigeria. I'm so proud of her. So grateful for her. Halima Todd, just big-hearted woman. Beautiful-hearted, just incredible woman. But doubted maybe God was ever going to work for her in that way. And he has. You know, she's our sister. God works. You know, I'm so excited to think about the victory of, of Nick and Gus and Ty and Reggie getting married this month in our congregation. Spiritual weddings are victories from God. Amen. We need to rejoice in that and understand God is working through us even when we falter. Right? We're so grateful for all of them. Let's rejoice together in these things. The second point I want to make is that not only does God work through us, and we need to be hopeful, but God works around us, and we need to be humble. In other words, he has to, you know, it's like, you ever heard of a workaround? Like, I got to work around that issue. That's an issue. I have to work around. Sometimes we're the issue. Most of the time in our family, I'm the issue. I'm just here to tell you that's the truth. In Mark chapter 3, let's look at Jesus. In Mark 3... We find uh, a, a unique period in Jesus' life with his family. And I don't have it on the screen, but I'll read you in verse 20 and 21, and then I'm going to put the next verses on the screen. But in verse 20 21, it says, Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him. For they said, he's out of his mind. I mean, he was so busy doing the work of God putting on a worship service or having a lesson or helping people study the Bible. He was so busy. He didn't have time to eat. And his family's like, what? How dare him do that? He's neglecting our family events and I don't like it. Let's go take charge of him. And then we can pick up in verse 31. All right. It says, then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived standing outside. They sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him and they told him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. And Jesus says in verse 33, this is to his mother, Mary, who are my mother and my brothers? He asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. So there was a lot going on. And in this situation, uh, it was actually his brother, his brothers, his sisters, and his mom who wanted to pull him out of the work he was doing because he wasn't using his time wisely, they thought, right? Like, You're not using your time wisely. I know as a, as a dad, I say that a lot to, to Nathan, right? Nate, no more video games, right? Don't, you know, not using your time wisely. I, and, you know, a lot of times I have strong opinions about things, and I'll tell my kids what they ought to do. And I think as parents, we should. we got to be mindful of that. However, 
what Jesus was interested in was the will of God, right? You see that, you know, who are my mother and my brothers? Whoever does the will of God. Our schedule is to be defined, is to be defined by the will of God. And he stood up, even he loved his family enormously. And we know that from many other scriptures, and we'll read that at the end. But he wouldn't allow them to dictate his schedule over the will of God. And I know for me, a lot of times I'm simply the obstacle. It's too easy for me to be the obstacle, right? And God's got to work around me. Uh, my son Kyle and, Nate and Nate, uh, Nathan and Kyle and Caitlin and I all took um, Carrie out for dinner. This is yesterday. And it uh, provided a great illustration for this, for this point. Because we were not getting along very well. And at one point, I'm like talking to them about how important it is to get the vaccine. And I do believe we should all get the vaccine. But there are quite a few that are afraid and for various reasons don't want to. But I wasn't going to have that. No, you got to listen to me. I know better. And I began to, you know, rail on my daughter-in-law, Jasmine, about why she ought to get the vaccine. And I was going on and on and on. And Carrie's like, can, can you stop? And I was like, and I kept going. And telling her what I thought and how I thought and try to convince. And so often that's how we are. And, you know, at some point she began to cry. And my, my wife was like, this is my Mother's Day dinner and you're wrecking it. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Carrie, that I did that. And, you know, I'll owe Jazz an apology. The great thing was she was very resilient and we had a great time for the rest of the night. But a lot of times we're the workaround. We're the problem. And God has to work around us. Because of our pride, because we think our, our viewpoint needs to own the day in many ways. And God works around us often. What's our char- What's our challenge? It's to be humble in those circumstances. It's to own our sin. It's to admit, okay, my way is not always the right way. It's usually not the right way. God will work around you because he loves you and make the things happen he wants to see happen. Now, let's not underestimate the power of spiritual family. I don't want to leave that from this text. You know, Jesus did love his mom and dad, but I love that his family was those committed to the lifestyle of a disciple. And, you know, we have that here. I'm so grateful for that on the west side. I hope you're beginning to feel that on the west side. You know, uh, uh, something that highlighted that for me was on Friday night this week, we had our, our first in-person youth and family night that Justin and Emma coordinated, and they were ably assisted by Kevin and Stephanie. I was so grateful. We played dodgeball outside with all the kids and the parents. And I think the kids won more than the parents in the competition in dodgeball, but we had a blast. I love connecting I love getting to know, you know Ray and Ganon's kids who are now back here on the West and seeing them. I hadn't connected with them and realizing, wow, they're my son Nathan's age and just connecting with other people in our church and getting time with people. So much occurs when you can look in each other's eyes. We had our masks on, but we could still connect. And there was this incredible bonding and connection and relational fulfillment that I got. I'm an extrovert. So I, I was so excited. It was a victory. Thank you, Justin and Emma, for putting that on. That was awesome. We'll look forward to more and more of our youth and family nights. To see our teens fired up, loving to be together. Together as a spiritual family making a difference in this world. Are you the, one, are you the workaround that God has to deal with? If it, be humble if you are. 
I, I know in my family, I, a lot, I'm the workaround. I'm the issue, okay? Maybe, maybe you're the, the one in your family. It's okay. God loves you. He's going to work around you. He's still going to get his will done. But let's not cater to worldly standards. Let's cater to, the, to biblical, godly. The will of God is what we should be seeking in our scheduling, in our priority, and what we do with our life, and where we live, and what we do, everything. And if you happen to be the problem, God will work around you. So be humble and you'll get it. He, he loves you enough to help you get it. And I want to close out today before we say a prayer for communion with my final point, which is God works for us. He works for us. Not just around us, not just through us, but sometimes just plainly what he is doing is designed to take care of you. And we find at the end of Jesus' life, when he's on the cross, he's been crucified, he's on the cross. And his mom, yeah, she's there. Moms are there when we're hurting. She's right there. And in verse 26 of John chapter 19, he says, When Jesus saw his mother there, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. So he had brothers, and I'm not sure exactly the historical reason why John took her. Maybe he had better, well, he was more situated financially. Maybe Jesus' brothers at that time were just recently married and had little kids or something and sisters. Maybe that for whatever reason it had to be John that took her in. But Jesus saw to it that Mary had somebody to take care of her. And John was at the cross as well. And he was available. He made himself available. You know, God is working for you today. He's working for you. And if you're not seeing it, I want to appeal to you to open your eyes and look. He's working on your behalf to change things, to transform things. To help us to become what he wants us to become. He's allowing us to see our sin. You know, the pandemic has been a challenging time. A lot of us are, are going through mental health issues. Uh, and I think, and I would dare say, just reading from my own experiences, you know, there's a spirit of negativity that can too easily infiltrate our lives, our minds, and our culture. And we gotta break that. And I want to call on us, you know, it's, it's May, it's not, it's not Thanksgiving, it's not the, it's not the, the month of gratitude, but I want to call May a month of gratitude. We're praying in May, let's also be grateful in May. Because God is working for you, to take care of you, to meet your needs. He is working. Please believe that, and your job is to be grateful, to cultivate gratitude. You know, gratitude, it, it, it doesn't come easily unless you work towards it. You've got to make the decision to be grateful in your prayers. You've got to make the decision to think of the good. And the verse that's been going through my mind a lot lately is the fruits of the Spirit. If, if life seems tumultuous or difficult or your job or just relationships in your household or outside your household or in your workplace are tumultuous, Think of what the Spirit's telling us that there's no limit to. The fruits of the Spirit are love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control. Against these things, there, there is no law. 
And you know what begins to spark each of those fruits of the Spirit? Gratitude. I want to call on us to be grateful that God is working for us, Westside Church. He's working for us. In the middle of difficulty, He is working. He works through you. He works around you sometimes. Be humble. And He works for you to meet your needs. As we consider the cross, remember the cross meets our ultimate need. It says every day, I love you and you can be different. Every day, I forgive you and you're not defined by your mistakes or sins. You're defined by my love and hope for you. That is the message of the cross. Let's pray to him now as we take our communion. Father, thank you so much for this time on Mother's Day to remember you invented and gave that love to all our moms. And we know that through the cross, we learn this incredible lesson. And through the history of even uh, the moms that, that brought Jesus to earth, we realize that you work through us, even when we're sinful and filled with doubt, that you work around us and it calls us to be humble. And, and God, you work for us that when we're just simply weak, you, you want to help meet our needs. Thank you for doing that here on the west side. We, uh, we just thank you for the blood of Jesus shed to forgive us and the body given to inspire us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.